Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast and thanks so much for tuning in. Celebration Church is one church in 10 locations across Southeast Louisiana. We are all about changing lives, homes, our city, and the world through Jesus Christ. We hope that you're both encouraged and challenged by today's message. I want to join Pastor Stephen in welcoming you to Celebration Online. Thank you for joining us, wherever you're joining us from around the world. So glad to have you as we continue today our study of the God of the Broken. In fact, if you have a Bible, a Bible app, I want to encourage you to turn with me to the book of Exodus and the first chapter as we continue the God of the Broken series. In this series, as we study through Exodus chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4, we're going to be learning about how, how we can stay focused in difficult times, how we can raise godly kids in an ungodly world, how we can uh, hear from the Lord to discover His plans and purposes for our lives, and how we can answer God's call. But today, in the first chapter of Exodus, We want to learn how we can break free from the struggles and strongholds of our lives because we can't be who God's called us to be and live like He's called us to live and do what He's called us to do until we address the strongholds that we have in our lives. Our passage of Scripture is Exodus chapter 1, beginning with verse 8. You follow along as I read. The Bible says eventually a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what Joseph had done. He said to his people, look, The people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Python and Ramses as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, The more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands of the Israelite people. Last week we discovered how the Israelites, when they came to the land of Egypt, they were considered as partners and friends to the Egyptians, and they prospered there in the land. They grew numerically, they grew financially, and they were blessed by so many ways uh, in, by God in their lives. You see, God's always wanted His people, the Bible tells us, to live faithful lives, to live fruitful lives, to live best li- blessed lives, but He also wants us to live free and victorious lives. And that's how the Israelites lived in the land of Egypt until a new king rose up in power who did not know the great man Joseph, who had once been prime minister of all the Egyptian people. And the Bible says that the Egyptians then made the Israelites their slaves, and they worked the people of Israel without mercy, and they were ruthless in all their demands of the Israelite people. Now let me quickly say that God has never intended for one group of people to enslave another group of people. He's never intended for one group of people to rule over another group of people. There have actually been professing Christians over the years uh, who have supported the concept of slavery of one group of people ruling over another group of people. A professing Christian was Jefferson Davis, the president of the Confederacy many years ago. He said slavery was established by the decree of Almighty God. It is sanctioned in the Bible in both Testaments from Genesis to Revelation. Now Jefferson Davis was way off target in his understanding of the Bible, the teachings of the Bible, and his understanding of the God of the Bible, because although Christians in the New Testament were slaves, Jesus came to set people free from every kind of slavery and every kind of bondage in their lives. 
Unfortunately, many people in our nation didn't understand that, even though our nation was founded upon Christian principles. Now, slavery was abolished in our nation in 1865 by the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, uh, but the practices of the Jim Crow era continued. And for many years throughout the history of our nation, people of color or people who were not the majority culture were subjected to all kinds of unreasonable demands and injustices and all kinds of things. And that's why as Christians today, even today, we must always stand up against and speak up about uh, injustices and systemic racism in our culture, in our world today. God considers all people to be important, and we must, uh, we must have that same value as well. Now, we preached that sermon a number of times, and we'll preach it again, but let me focus today on the fact that sometimes because of other people's initiatives or their own initiatives, God's people have lived bondage-filled lives rather than free and victorious lives. Now again, today's scripture passage says the Israelite people of that day found themselves enslaved and in bondage because a new king came to power in Egypt. A new king who did not know Joseph the Israelite or the things he had done for the people of Egypt. And that verse reminds us that when the wrong people are in power, whether it's in our region or in our state or in our nation, in our world, it brings injustice, it brings bondage, it brings all kinds of difficult things to people's lives. But it also reminds us that when we allow the devil or devilish people or our own ungodly desires to reign in our lives instead of allowing the Lord to reign in our lives, and then we Christians will also live lives of bondage and slave to the devil and devilish people and our own desires in our lives. Do Christians sometimes live with bondage in their life? According to the scriptures, they do. Uh, Jesus said this in John 8, 34. He said, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Everyone who continues in a sinful habit is a slave of that sin. And Paul wrote in Romans, he wrote that I love God with God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. That power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. You see, a lot of people, including Christians, still live with all kinds of bondage and challenges and enslavement in their life because uh, they've allowed someone else other than the Lord to reign and rule in their lives. One time, two politicians were arguing with one another in a public debate, and one politician said to the other, why don't you tell all these people who are here today about the powers that control you? And the other politician yelled back, you leave my wife and her family out of this. Well, when we're talking about enslavement, we're not talking about politicians necessarily. And we're not talking about people's in-laws and those kinds of things, but we're talking about when we allow the devil and devilish people and our own desires to keep us in bondage, to keep us enslaved. And the Bible says that's a miserable way to live. That's, way, that's where a lot of people live. That's the way a lot of people live. But that's a miserable way to live. God has not called us to live in bondage. He's not called us to live enslaved to anyone or anything. He's called us to live lives of freedom and fulfillment. He's called us to live vibrant and victorious lives. So today we want to address this question. We think about our passage of scripture. What types of bondage do people struggle with in our day? And what can we do to overcome them or help others overcome those bondages in their lives? Let's address that first part of that question today. What types of bondage, bondages do people struggle with in our day and time? Now I could give you a hundred answers to that question, but let me just give you four or five answers today. To begin with, some people struggle with chemical bondages in their life. Have you ever been there? Have you ever struggled with an addiction to alcohol or drugs? I've been there in my life, and lots of other people in our day have been there in their lives as well. The Bible actually addresses that kind of bondage. It says in Proverbs chapter 23, who has anguish, who has sorrow, who was always fighting, who was always complaining. It is the one who spends long hours in the taverns. 
Don't gaze at the wine, seeing how red it is, how it sparkles in the cup, how smoothly it goes down, for in the end, it bites like a poisonous snake. Now, those verses were written a long, long time ago, but they are a testimony to the lives of so many people in our day who are in bondage to alcohol or in bondage to some kind of narcotic in their lives. Listen to these statistics. 19.7 million Americans, 12 years of age and above, battled a substance abuse disorder in 2017, and one out of every eight adults struggle with both alcohol and drug use disorders simultaneously. Here's another statistic. Drug use and addiction cost American society more than $740 billion annually in lost workplace productivity, in healthcare expenses, and in crime-related costs. In fact, 80% of the crimes in our nation today are caused by people who struggle with addictions to alcohol or drugs. And then people who use illicit drugs are twice as likely to have mental illnesses and also typically have a lot of emotional, financial, and relational struggles. I'm telling you, when people have an addiction to alcohol or drugs, it's devastating to their lives and devastating to the lives of people around them. The Bible says this in Proverbs 21, wine produces mockery, alcohol leads to brawls. Those led astray by drink cannot be wise. In other words, one of the dumbest things we can do is develop a chemical dependency in our lives, to become addicted to drugs and alcohol in our lives. And by the way, it's also a spiritually tragic thing for us as well. It says in 1 Corinthians 6.10, drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we have some wonderful ministries here at Celebration Church that help people overcome chemical dependencies in their life. We have the Celebration Hope Center there and trained counselors who help people overcome the chemical dependency in their life. We also have a ministry called Celebrate Recovery that meets at several of our Celebration campuses. At Celebrate Recovery, people learn how to overcome lots of struggles and strongholds in their life. Things like codependency and grief and, uh, and sexual trauma and abuse and uh, anger issues and all those kinds of things. But uh, one of the primary components of Celebrate Recovery is to help people learn how to overcome chemical dependencies in their life. And we have hundreds of people, maybe thousands of people here at Celebration Church who were once overwhelmed and overcome by their addictions to alcohol and drugs, but who found freedom in the Lord and freedom through our ministry called Celebrate Recovery. I'm telling you, if that's where you're living today, you don't have to live with chemical bondages anymore in your life. Some people struggle with chemical bondages, but some people also struggle with emotional bondages in their life. Look at what we find here in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul writes, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now, those words were written by the Apostle Paul to Christians in the first century church in Ephesus. And they remind us that many people, including Christians, struggle with things like anger and bitterness and hurt and unforgiveness and other similar issues in their lives. Let me ask you, do you ever struggle with anger in your life? Lots of people do. And when you don't know how to resolve anger in your life or hurt in your life, it leads to health issues, it leads to emotional issues, it leads to financial issues, it leads to relational issues, it leads to all kinds of things. It also leads to spiritual issues, to the devil reigning and ruling in your life. Paul wrote these words in Ephesians 4, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil in our lives. Anybody ever struggle with bitterness in your life? Have you ever struggled with bitterness because people hurt you or people misled you or people wronged you or because things in your life didn't work out for you like you hoped or wanted them to work out? The Bible says that bitterness is a big bondage in people's lives. It says, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. That's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. 
heard of a lady one time that went to, she was bitten by a dog and she went to the doctor to, get, to be examined. And the doctor diagnosed that she had been, uh, she had contracted rabies having been bitten by the dog. Immediately she pulled out a piece of paper and a pen and began to write down a list of names. And the doctor was wondering why she was doing it. He said, what are you doing? Are you trying to uh, make a list of people you want to leave your possessions to should you die from rabies? She said, no, I'm making out a list of people I want to bite. Well, there are lots of people like that in our world. They're so overwhelmed by the bitterness, by the circumstances of their life, they become bitter. They become bitter and resentful towards others. And let me remind you, hurting people are the ones that hurt people in our world. Harboring anger and bitterness and hurt and unforgiveness, the Bible says will bring lots of bondage to our lives. Also, many people struggle with depression and despair. In fact, almost 20% of Americans, 19.7% of Americans, have struggled with some sort of mental illness, with depression being at the top of the list, and 9.7% of teens in America struggle with severe depression. By the way, you can still be a godly person and struggle with depression from time to time. Moses struggled with depression, Jeremiah struggled with depression, Isaiah struggled with depression, Elijah struggled with depression, I think even John the Baptist struggled with depression. But while we can all struggle at times with depression, the Lord doesn't want us to live in bondage to depression in our lives. The Bible says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And then a lot of people struggle with fear and worry. Here's what I want to tell you to know. A lot of people have not only chemical dependency struggles and strongholds of life, but a lot of people are enslaved to emotional bondage in their life. Some people struggle also with financial bondages in their life. Some people are so in bondage to their desire for more. They want more possessions and more money that they stay in bondage in their lives. I call that stinginess in their lives. The Bible says in Proverbs 11, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy though and you will lose everything. Do you know anybody who's kind of stingy or really focused on just accumulating money and possessions? The Bible says they're in bondage in their life. Then a lot of people are in bondage to debt. It says in Proverbs 22, 7, Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. And a lot of people today, they would consider themselves to be free, but they are enslaved to their lenders or to their debt in their lives. 75% of Americans are living above their income. 50% of Americans have no retirement savings. 35% have zero in regular savings. The average cardholder has $7,000 of credit card debt and bankruptcies are at all-time high. I'm telling you, financial bondage is as crushing as emotional and as chemical bondage. And then some people struggle with sexual bondages in their lives. Now, you may be surprised to discover, but sex is actually God's idea from the very beginning. In the very beginning of time, when God created the first man and woman, he told them to go forth and multiply and replenish the earth. And to multiply, you had to have sex with one another. I'm telling you, sex is God's idea. Oh, what a great God we have. That kind of sex, though, sexual marriage, is affirmed by the Lord. But lots of people in our day have abused or misused their sexual desires. They've gotten involved in sexual activity before marriage or outside of marriage. And when that happens, it leads to sexual bondages in our lives. Teens today struggle a lot with sexual bondages. 55% of teens in 2017 indicated they're sexually active. And we know sec- single adults struggle with sexual bondages in their lives. But so do married adults. 25% of all husbands and 15% of all wives have admitted to a physical affair. I wonder how many didn't admit to it and still was involved or involved in an affair. And 45% of husbands and 35% of wives have had emotional affairs. And then also a lot of people, because of their uh, not unwillingness to rein in their sexual desires, have moved in together and cohabited together. And that's not the smartest thing to do because people who cohabit before marriage are 46% more likely to divorce. And today people don't even have to be involved physically with someone to be in sexual bondage. 40 million Americans 
regularly visit porn websites. 35% of all internet downloads are porn. 33% of porn users are women. And Sunday is the most popular day of the week for viewing porn. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Pornography negatively impacts people's lives mentally, emotionally, financially, relationally, vocationally, and spiritually. And I could give you all kinds of stories about that. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. And it says in 1 Corinthians 6 later also, those who indulge in sexual sin, well, none of those will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, don't get mad at me for saying those things. I'm just reading to you from the Bible. Now, whether you're struggling with chemical bondages or emotional bondages or financial bondages or sexual bondages or some other types of bondages, Please understand, that's not where God wants you to live. I'm not condemning you, neither is God condemning you. He's just saying that's not where he wants you to live. That's the way to live a defeated and discouraged, uh, an enslaved life. But you don't have to live that way because God wants you to live in freedom with victory over the struggles and strongholds of your life. Some years ago, I was uh, using an illustration one of our church services. I'm actually going down to Costa Rica this week, and I'll be taking a, a big suitcase filled with all kinds of resources and supplies for our ministers and missionaries there. Some years ago, uh, in a church service, I actually had a big suitcase there in front of the congregation. Inside that suitcase, the suitcase was a nice-looking suitcase, but inside that suitcase, I put all kinds of heavy junk. I had paint cans filled with paint. I had old iron, all that kind of stuff. On the outside, the suitcase looked well, uh, but on the inside, it was filled with all kinds of junk. I invited a young lady to come and move the suitcase, and she tried to pick it up, and she couldn't move it. I invited a young man. He came to displaying his muscles, and he could barely move that suitcase along because it was so heavy, filled with so much junk. And when I opened up the suitcase, I said, this suitcase is an illustration of many people's lives. On the outside, we may look good, but on the inside, there's so much junk is weighing us down. It's keeping us from being who God's called us to be and living like God's called us to live and doing all the great things that God wants us to do. we got to understand God doesn't want us to live with that kind of junk any longer. So here's my question for you. What types of bondage do you sometimes struggle with? And how badly do you want to overcome those bondages? Now here's the second part of our initial question. What steps can we take to overcome bondages in our lives? Let me quickly give you some answers to that question. To begin with, overcoming bondages in our lives requires acknowledging our helplessness in regards to our struggles. And in a recovery program, they will tell you that the first step to overcoming your issues uh, is to realize that you're not God and to admit that you're powerless to overcome the struggles and strongholds of your life by yourself, that your life is unmanageable and that you need help in overcoming those issues. And the Bible says that when we admit our powerlessness, our helplessness in regards to our bondages, that's when we begin to receive help from the Lord, and that's when we begin to receive help from others. But that's not a popular idea in our American culture. Today we would say, well, you need to raise yourself up by your own bootstraps, or don't depend on anybody else, or be a self-made man or a self-made woman. Let me tell you, that's the American ideology, but it's a lie from the devil. God says if we're going to live free, and successful, we must be willing to acknowledge our helplessness in regards to our struggles. We must come to the place where Paul was when he wrote these words, I don't understand myself at all, for I really want to do what is right, but I can't. I do what I don't want to, what I hate. I know perfectly well what I'm doing is wrong, but I can't help myself. It is sin inside me that is stronger than I am that makes me do these evil things. Here's the second thing. Overcoming bondages also requires believing the Lord can and the Lord will help us. 
Paul wrote these words in 2 Corinthians 1. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. We thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God. Quite honestly, that's where we all have to get to in our lives. If we're going to overcome the great bondages, the great struggles and strongholds of our lives. Uh, we got to admit that we can't help ourselves. And we've got to believe that God is the one who can bring help to our lives. Here's another verse Paul wrote in Philippians 2.13. He said, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. You see, you and I don't have the power. Willpower is not good enough. We need to access God's power if we're going to overcome the struggles and strongholds of our life. And here's what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7. The Spirit that God gives us fills us with power and love and self-control. The Spirit that God gives us is the one who can give us power and love and self-control. Listen, if we're going to overcome our bondages, we've got to have those three things. We've got to have power. Power to resist temptation. Power to break the habits we seemingly can't break. Power to let go of the memories from the past and the failures of the past. Power to get on with the victorious life. We also need love. We need to know that we are loved by God and loved by others. and We need to be able to love others in the very same way. And then we need self-control. When temptations arise or situations occur, or we feel overwhelmed or overcome and we just want to act out and go back to the old ways, we've got to have power and love and self-control and that only comes from the Spirit of God. Overcoming bondages in our lives requires believing that the Lord can and the Lord will help us. Here's the third thing. Overcoming bondages in our lives requires confessing our sin and our struggles to the Lord. Now, some people actually blurt out their sins to others. I was in a courtroom one time, and a man was being tried before the judge. It was a small parish here in Louisiana. And the judge said to the man, have you ever been in my courtroom before on felony charges? And the man said, no, I've never been caught doing a felony before. He blurted out his sin, his crime, right there before the judge. Some people are like that. Whereas some people are quick to blurt out their sins and faults to others, most of us, we struggle with that concept. We'd rather do anything than admit to God and to others that we failed, that we have a struggle, that we have a stronghold in our lives. But we've got to learn how to do that if we want to get victory over those struggles and strongholds in our lives. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins to Him, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It says in Proverbs 28, 13, people who conceal their sins uh, will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Then overcoming bondage in our lives requires determining to commit our life and our ways to the Lord. Listen to these powerful words from Paul in Romans chapter 6. He writes, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to your sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. Give yourselves completely to God. In other words, if we'll just fully commit our lives to the Lord, we will have power over sin. We will have power over those strongholds in our lives. By the way, we commit our life and ways to the Lord when we take God's Son as our Savior, when we take God's Word as our standard for living, when we take God's will as our strategy and God's power as our strength for life. We've got to determine to commit our life and our ways to the Lord. And then overcoming bondages in our lives requires expressing our struggles and strongholds to others. Listen to this verse, James chapter 5, verse 16 is a crucial verse. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now understand this carefully. 
We, need, we receive forgiveness from God when we confess our sins to Him. But we receive healing in our hearts and lives when we confess our sins, our struggles, and our strongholds to others. Now, some of you are thinking, why do I need to drag another person into this? Why can't I just admit my struggles to God and be done with it? Why do I need to tell any other person? Well, the answer is because almost all of our problems are relational. We lie to each other. We deceive each other. We wear a mask around each other. We pretend to have it all together even when we don't. And all of this relational hypocrisy keeps us uh, from intimacy with God and intimacy with others. So we, so we wind up living with shame. We wind up feeling insecure. We wind up wondering and worried about what will happen if anybody will come to know what we've been like and what we've done. And that worry and that fear of rejection causes us to become sick physically and emotionally and mentally and spiritually in our lives. Listen, we are only as sick as our secrets. Hear that clearly. We are only as sick as our secrets. The secrets we hold on to are what make us sick in our mind, in our heart, in our spirit. That's why God says confessing our faults to others is the beginning of healing and the beginning of freedom. If we're not willing to do that, the more we will hide what our struggles and strongholds are, the bigger they'll become and the worse it will be for us in our lives. But the amazing thing is when we risk honesty and transparency, we'll suddenly find new freedom in our hearts and lives. For one thing, we'll discover that we're not the only person who struggles with that kind of thing. We'll also discover that when we share it with someone we can trust, I mean, it takes a huge burden off of our heart and life. So who do we tell? What do we tell? And when do we tell what we've been struggling with? Tell somebody you trust, somebody who can keep a confidence, someone who's not a gossip, someone who's a mature Christian. You don't want to tell somebody that will publish your story on, on social media or text it to all their friends. Uh, what, what do we tell? You don't have to tell all the details. Just admit the problem that you're struggling with, the, front, the stronghold you have in your life, and answer honestly any questions that are asked of you. When do you tell? Uh, as soon as possible. Don't procrastinate. The longer you keep your secrets, the longer you stay in your sin, the longer you have sadness and defeat in your heart and life, and the longer you're in bondage to the devil in your life. Later on in the study of Exodus, we're going to find that God struck Egypt with a plague of frogs. Pharaoh called Moses into the palace and said, Moses, if you, I'll let the Israelites go if you and your God would just get rid of the frogs. And Moses said, okay, so when do you want me to get rid of the frogs? And Pharaoh said, tomorrow. Who wants to live one more night with the frogs? In fact, I met a songwriter one time who wrote a song, One More Night with the Frog. Who wants to live with frogs all over the place, in your bed, in your bathroom, everywhere? And why should you want to live one more night with that struggle or stronghold in your life? Find somebody you can talk to. Find somebody you can open up to because I'm telling you, it brings lots of freedom and help and healing to your life. And then overcoming bondage in our lives requires forgiving ourselves. The Bible says in Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And it says in Ephesians 1:7, God is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and he forgave all our sins. And if God has forgiven our sins, we should be willing to forgive our sins as well. You know, we talk a lot about what kind of bondage and, and dysfunction we find in our world today. But the truth is, our world would be in a lot less bondage if God's people dealt with the struggles and strongholds of their lives. If God's people got rid of the bondage in their lives. One time a businessman was trying to get some work done at home, but his little four-year-old boy was kept trying to play with him and wanted time and attention from his father. 
just trying to get 30 or 45 minutes to himself, the businessman uh, brought his son into his office. He, he took a picture of the world from, the mag from a magazine. He ripped it up into pieces and he said to his four-year-old son, here son, here's a puzzle and here's some tape. You go and put this puzzle of the world together and when it's completed, you come back in and daddy will spend time playing with you and having fun with you. He expected to get 30 or 40 minutes of private time because certainly his son didn't know what the world was like. It was only five minutes before the boy was back in the room. And the dad was astounded because the picture of the world had been taped together and it was, it was perfect. It was completely done. And the father said to the son, son, how did you put the picture of the world back together so quickly? And the boy said, well, daddy, I don't know what the world looks like. But on the back of the picture of the world, there was a picture of a man and I know what a man looks like. So when I put the man together back, like it was, when I put the puzzle of the man back together, the world was right too. There's a message in that story for us. If we'll get ourselves right, if we'll work on ourselves, if we'll surrender ourselves to the Lord and get freedom in our hearts and lives, the world around us will become a better and healthier and godlier place. Now going back to our original text, Israelites were in a lot of bondage because they had the wrong king in their lives. But the Lord wanted to help free them from their slavery and bondage. That's why the Lord spoke the following words to Moses at the burning bush on the backside of the desert. The Lord said to Moses in Exodus 3, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land a land flowing with milk and honey. The cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And the same God who cared about the plight of his people in that day cares about the plight of his people in our day. And he will deliver us from the great struggles and strongholds of our lives when we turn to him and find in Him the help and the healing and the forgiveness and the strength and the freedom we need. Now I want you to bow your head to me right now. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want you to be honest. I wonder how many who are listening to this message are struggling with some sort of bondage in your life right now. It could be a chemical dependency bondage. It could be an emotional bondage. It could be financial bondage. It could be a sexual bondage. It could be some other bondage. No one else may see the bondage that you have in your life, but you know that it's there. And the Lord knows that it's there. And by the way, the devil knows that it's there, which is why he keeps messing with you with temptations and trials and hurts and habits in your life. Now listen, regardless of what bondage you may find yourself in, the Lord wants to free you from that bondage. And he will do so when you follow the steps that we talked about today. You gotta to be willing to acknowledge your helplessness in regards to your struggles. You gotta be willing to believe that the Lord can and will help you. You gotta be willing to confess your sin and your struggles to the Lord. You gotta be willing to determine that you're gonna commit your life, your way, and your will to him. You gotta be willing to express your struggles and strongholds to another person, a person you can trust. And you gotta be willing to forgive yourself in the same way God has forgiven you. Are you willing to do those things? Are you willing to take those steps? When you are and when you do, you will find yourself overcoming your struggles and strongholds. No longer living a defeated and discouraged life, but living the vibrant and victorious life that God has called you to live 
in our world today. Again, our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm telling you, God wants to deliver you from all that bondage, but it starts with making Jesus Christ the Savior and Lord of your life. And it also starts with rededicating our lives to the Lord. And if you haven't done that, or you haven't done that in a long time, would you just pray with me right now? Pray something like this. Pray, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And I'm grateful that you came into the world to set me free. In fact, your word says, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Today, I ask you to come in and take control of my life. Forgive me of my sins and begin the process of delivering me from my strongholds and transforming my life. Take away my shame and my guilt, my hurt and my pain and fill my life with your presence, your peace, your love, your joy and the power to change. I want you, Lord Jesus, to be the Savior and Lord and the ruler of my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, make sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Again, thanks for listening to the Celebration Church Podcast.